All right, what do we got? Destiny and profit motive. Now I understand the pun. Ugh, Stupid God. fucking bullshit. Pun. It's worse than a coupon. Jesus. Okay, but here's the thing. It's less At forced it's... than a coupon, though. Yeah, it's mm. an actual pun. They didn't just, like, make up a thing, you know? Because, like, half the Q things were actually puns. The other half were just, like... Q the fuck is this? It's like, no, no see, that's better. That would have been that's, better. Yeah, that would have been way see, better. That's yeah, too that's good. yeah, but this oh, one, fuck. this one's a homophone, so you don't get the pun unless you see it written. That's Who true. you calling a homophone? Yeah, there's, they nothing, always, there's nothing wrong with being a homophone. They, they also always have the titles appear on screen, though, so. Yeah, that's true. Thank You're God. You're a homophone phobe. Homophonic. I don't know. Welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, a Star Trek podcast. My name is Caitlin, and joining me today are... Jake. Chris. And Ames. What's that new noise? Yeah, sorry, it looks like some fuckers have people doing yard work. It's so too muggy out, tell them I, to stop. Are those agree. fuckers your landlords? <laughs> uh, no, it's across the street. Oh. Um, it's quite loud. Yeah, loud. unfortunately, I apologize in advance. It might get louder. I think these people also work for my landlord, so they might end up outside of my place at some point. Yay. Yay. I don't know. Anyway, I apologize in advance if it gets unbearably loud. They might be outside my place. I have all my doors and windows closed. Ooh. But, yeah, no, and it is humid, so this is great. Anyway, Caitlin, what number episode are we on? Uh-huh. And we're here today for episode 175! Woo! So we're here to talk about two episodes of Deep Space Nine today. And those Unusual. two episodes, I know, it's we're really shaking it up. It's the, it's the quarantine, you know? It's the self-isolating. Two episodes this week are Destiny and Profit Motive. Profit with a P-H. And also an E at the end, because that's also relevant to the spelling of Profit versus Profit. Yes, this is a spelling podcast. So in Destiny, or Density, uh, uh, in Destiny, the Cardassians are sending over some scientists because they want to help Starfleet set up a communications relay that will run from one side of the wormhole to the other. And this dude, Vedic Yarka, who isn't actually a Vedic, he was like disrobed or whatever, which I think is illegal. Hot? Pretty sure that's illegal. And, I think you uh, mean defrocked. <laughs> whatever. De- listen, is the whatever. Name. Listen, you say tomato, I say his balls were out at church. <laughs> it's a judge that gets disrobed. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Judges, I think, get disbarred, actually. Charming, please. I know. I thought I was, that was, was what lawyers did. That too, though. I think the whole legal profession you get disbarred if you I get know. kicked out. I was just making a joke about disrobed. Yeah, I was, no, I, I was using, I used a word intentionally that I knew was not correct, and Jake was building on that joke. And then you caused it to crash the fuck yeah, down, Yeah, you Chris. ruined it, Thanks. but it's fine. All right, so who did Yarka I love flash? you all. Yarka flashed Cisco with Whoa. his really, <laughs> with his huge throbbing prophecy. Um, <laughs> he was I guess he was disrobed. <laughs> well, please, please leave me like cracking my fucking own self up in there because it's not going to get any better. Yeah, there's your title, Chris. <laughs> it 
works for both of them this time. Big throbbing prophecy. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> uh, and in this prophecy, it was prophesied that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, okay. I got four and a half hours sleep last night. I'm exhausted. Oh wow. Yeah, I'm doing. This great. is going to be a fun episode. It's going to be. It's going to be an episode. That's for sure. So in the prophecy, I don't know, three vipers are going to come and knock on the door and burn down the temple, something, something, and a sword of stars, some kind of bullshit. Yeah, it's some Nostradamus bullshit. He's like, it's obviously about the Cardassians. And Kira is kind of like, um, they're only sending two people. You said there were going to be three vipers, so it's obviously not right. And then Cisco was like, I don't give a fuck and you're about your stupid religion, so I care about peace. So go fuck yourself. I don't care how many vipers they send. We're going to do it. We're going to move forward. And uh, they do. So they send they send over two lovely lady scientists, Cardassians, Ulani and Gilora. But uh, they tell us at the end of their first day, they're like, oh, BT Dubs, our uh, colleague Dejar is coming to join us. So now there are going to be three Cardassians, and the plot thickens. Remember, Dejar, they're Viper-like. Yeah, they're quite Viper-ly. Actually, Dejar is. Like, as soon as she walks onto the station, she's, like, transparently evil. Like, she just is from, just from, the like, worst spy. Very Viper-like. Total, transparently evil. And, oh, that's what I was saying. And it's, like, as if the fact that she just looks nasty doesn't tip you off right away. The scientists are very, like like, scared and, like, speak really third-personly when she's around or something. There's something that changes about the way they talk. I guess it's just that they change from being, like, human beings to sounding like someone afraid of the deep state because it's, like, sitting right across from them. So, I don't know. I don't like anything that I just said. Obama. Exactly. Obamagate. That's what this... Obamagate. <laughs> That's what this I This is Vipergate. <laughs> Vipergate. No, it's the, it's the Obama wormhole. Oh, no. So what else happens? So um, there's like some tension, as you might suspect. The Cardassians like think men are no good at doing science, and O'Brien is, is a racist. racist. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> glad we're all there for this. Yeah, yeah, we're still still in stereo here. But uh, apparently, hilariously, Cardassians think that if you're being argumentative, you're coming on to them. So we have a. Lovely moment. Uh, Lovely. Ugh. Well, you know, I knew they weren't. You know, well, I knew they weren't gonna fuck, but I thought maybe they could at least spoon. If you know what I mean? Uh, that's, that's right. I'm I'm assuming Cardassians are cold blooded, so it does make sense that she'd want to be on a hot rock. What? I don't know. <laughs> I don't get it. He's a pot potato, Jake. Oh, he that's do, right. He does have sort of a stony like face. I could see it. I was referring to his rock-hard penis. No! Oh! <laughs> oh, no. Was he also disrobed? <laughs> Yikes. Oh, very nearly. Oh, dear. All right, anyway, uh, the point is... Galora wants to smash Miles. <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, she does, and she's really pissed when she finds out he's married. But anyway, so the Cardassians are working together with the team, and they start testing out the... Communication relay? The relay! Thanks, that's the word. They start they start testing the communication relay, and the wormhole starts to kind of go wibbly. So they stop, and they realize that they've somehow shifted a comet, so now the comet is heading straight, straight for it. And uh, this comet has in it silithium that's going to fuck up the wormhole, so they have to try to 
move the comet or blow up the comet or get rid of the comet. My so, God, the prophecy is coming true, Caitlin. It's a sword of stars. Ah! <laughs> um, but yeah, so so they decide that they're going to Armageddon this thing and blow it up. Is that what happens in Armageddon? I've never seen Armageddon. I don't really know. Yeah, kind of. Except yeah. they, they drill. They go in. It's it's. Well, it's I like what this. I really they go into the thing. Oh, they they, they, they try to plow. They try the to plow a Cardassian. Yeah, we that's, get that's it. Like dynamite and an asshole. Well, that's I where was, faith of the heart comes from. I was thinking more about they had like a don't want to miss a thing montage or something, but uh, yeah, yeah, same song. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah, that movie was horrible. Yeah. I never saw there. it. I, uh, it's bad. But Don't you know see what's, it. what's funny is uh, Criterion had the rights for a while because it was considered to be like such a crucial part of the zeitgeist of that time. That and The Rock. It's just wild. Well, The Rock's actually good. Anyway, we're never... at least a fun watch. We're never yeah. going to get through this, uh, this summer. Yeah, sorry, sorry. No, it's fine. It's my fault. I keep interrupting myself, really. Yeah, so they decide they're going to blow up this asteroid and they, they go to do that, but the... And they, they need to do it a certain way because if it, like, blows up into chunks, it could go in the wormhole and fuck shit up. So they're, like, trying to modify the phasers. I don't really understand what the fuck happens, but the point is, some sabotage happens. Sabotage. Their phasers don't work right, and some shards of Comet do go into the wormhole. And, oh, fuck, suddenly it's everyone's worst nightmare. Something's happening in the wormhole. Except it isn't, because... The three Vipers weren't the Cardassians. They were comet fragments. And burning the gates didn't mean that they were going to destroy the wormhole. They meant that the gates are permanently open and the gates were the way for the relay. So everything's fine. How and are also, rocks like Vipers? I don't How know. are they more like Vipers than three snake-like people? Yeah, Listen, that's a good question. Guys, we kind of like talked to the prophets later in the next episode, and we know that they're not really great on this whole verbal communication thing. It's true. Maybe they thought vipers were rocks. Also, Maybe I'm pretty sure they... you could have you could have adjusted that prophecy to mean 9-11. Literally anything. Basically, Which is why yeah. basing, thinking, this is like part of the great thing about Bajoran religion is like they believe it like every Bible story really happened and it's like legitimately the real thing. And well, being being fair though, unlike Earth religion, which is all bullshit and lies, <laughs> this is <laughs> these people actually can contact the hyper advanced aliens that apparently see all of time at once. Here's the thing, though. They don't contact the aliens. They were given these orbs yeah, that have... Orb visions. That make them have really questionable visions that can be construed as literally anything. Like, they, like, like Beryl having being naked and sexing you. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I mean. Like, so far... No, that, that one was pretty clear. That all was their, just about All sex. their prophecies so far, I mean, have in some way, shape, or form been right. Yeah, but yeah. you're saying in some way, shape, or form like that's so fucking loose well, like, also i think though this, part, part of the reason why this this one was so not great was just because it was old right this is an older prophecy yeah, yeah he like did talk 3, about thousand years old or some shit yeah, yeah this and is, ben this talked is tra- about sorry god yeah this is Trakar's third prophecy this guy's been you know passing this prophecy down through the generations for i don't know how long they said you said three thousand years or something yeah i think it was three thousand yeah 
Yeah, at some point they say that. Well, maybe it's like in Harry Potter where there's just like a hall of prophecies. They just have them there and every once in a while they blow the dust off it to see what's up. Yeah, well, so like, this is probably whatever Trakar saw in a vision and tried to write down. And there's no way, like if I had a random dream, I had a random dream last night that my brother and my father both crashed into my car and, and ripped off my, my side mirror and one of my tires. And if I tried to like write down everything that happened in that dream, I wouldn't be able to write nearly any of it down in a way that would seemingly mean anything. And well, 3,000 figure... years from now, someone would think that it meant that, you know, a bunch of spies were coming to blow up yep, your wormhole. Yep. Well, you also exactly. got to figure that, 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 that presumably this prophecy happened before the Bajorans had any kind of space travel capability. Yeah. So presumably, even if this guy saw a spaceship and comets and aliens in his prophecy, he'd be like, what the fuck? And he wouldn't know what, what it was. Yeah, have you ever watched anything on Nostradamus? Because it's all fucking nonsense. Well, that, well he was... Sorry. No, I was going to say, I mean, so I remember, you know, I mentioned 9-11, and right around 9-11, everyone was like pointing to, oh, look at this crazy Nostradamus thing that totally matches. Yeah, so, it's about these silver birds. So I was just thinking, though, you know... People will take a Nostradamus prophecy and literally mold it to fit any situation. So I'm trying to think, how could we get this prophecy from Bajor to fit 9-11? So we got the three Vipers, which are obviously the planes that hit the towers and the Pentagon. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the Sword of Stars is obviously the towers, right? Because, you know, they're like a sword shooting yeah. towards the stars. No, yeah, sure, sure. But there's two uh, of them. How do you explain that? Just lost in translation. Yeah, you're looking at it from a certain angle. Yeah. You see them as well. They also, oh, and at night, when they're all lit up, they would mm -hmm. look like stars made of stars. Yeah, that's right. What was el What else we got? Oh, the gates of the temple? Yeah. Well, oh, that's, el that's Ellis Island, right? I mean... Oh, yeah. Returning they, to your nest? Mm? Yeah. It's the gates uh, yeah. to, to America. Now, where um, does the emissary fall into place? Well, obviously, that's um, Bush. George W. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was reading a children's book at the time. What's interesting, I remember struggling to read a children's book. And continued to read it, as if I recall correctly. I remember hearing ages ago, and I've never looked into this more, but that like a lot of people actually, I, that Nostradamus was actually a political satirist. But <laughs> oh, wherever, he, wherever he lived, like openly mocking the government would have gotten him into trouble. So he wrote these quote-unquote prophecies so like if you were from where he was and from his time you'd be like i get it i see what you did there but that has you know without the proper historical context it's lost uh, i don't know if that's actually been like how likely that is like how solid that theory is and how much academia has been done on it but, i've heard uh, the same theory about machiavelli though that like the prince was written as like a look at how fucked up this is and of course People read it and were like, oh my god, this is a great blueprint. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and you mentioned Jake, though, in this, you know, Lost in Translation. They even talk about that in the prophecy in the episode. Isn't it? Doesn't Julian say it? He's like... No, well, Ben, Ben, I think, Oh, Cisco it. did it? Because he's like, yeah. yeah, it's... Oh, that's right, because he has this great conversation with Kira. Yeah. Where she's kind of talking about how, like, you know, he's her senior officer, but she also believes him to be the emissary. Yeah. And he's like, I'm a Starfleet captain? That wasn't a fucking sort of stars. It was a shooting star or an asteroid or some shit. Comet. Yeah, that's it. 
I don't want to close my eyes. (laughs) I don't want to fall asleep because I miss you, babe. And I don't, I don't know the words. Don't want to miss a thing. The absolute best use of that song is for anyone listening. Look up the opening of Saints Row 4. It's fucking amazing. Great. So I'm looking at this prophecy <laughs> and, and thinking to myself, all right, so they're saying that this thing could destroy the wormhole, um, and they, for some reason, think that's a bad thing, where this whole time I've been saying it's going to be a great thing if you destroy the wormhole, because that will stop any kind of Dominion invasion that... Spoilers, we're going to see more Dominion invasions. It's kind of going to be obvious. But then what? We'll be short like four years of show if they do that. I don't care. Oh, also, enough. it's like it's like a holy site, you know? It'd be like blowing up, you know, the Mecca or something. You know, I almost just spoke out loud. Imagine believing in aliens and still thinking they are gods. And then I remember Scientology. <laughs> But, but Scientologists don't really believe in Scientology. I'm. I don't think. I don't know. I mean, I've Have said you this seen before. Tom though, Cruise. That, you know, the Bajorans gods, the the prophets, are actually real. Yeah, yeah they're there. They're like they're like they have, but they don't know that. They're. I mean, they're just like no. I mean, who who? who what does it matter if our yeah. gods are aliens? The only, they can the only, the only see through who, time. The only people who've talked with them are Cisco, and later in the next episode. Another person we'll will discuss. Two other people even. Yeah, two of them. Jesus. But the fucking wormhole aliens think we're all fucking nuts. <clears throat> Can you blame them? Ow! Oh yeah, so our um, non-Vedic this week. Darka. I'm sitting there, oh shit, that guy's in the mummy. That guy's uh, in everything. Yes, but I, I looked him up to be sure. I was like, I'm like 99% sure that's the, the mummy guy. And it turns out this is his second appearance in Star Trek. What was he before? We saw him in TNG as a Klingon, which is why it wasn't obvious. Oh, wow. It's from Unification Part 1, when, uh, and I didn't remember this, I looked this up, when uh, Picard is looking to get a cloak-capable ship to get to Romulus to find Spock. Mm-hmm. He's the, like, guy he talks to who won't let him talk to Gowron and all that. Okay, yeah. yeah that's, that's him. Yeah. And when I, it's funny, when I saw a picture of him in the makeup, it's like, oh, wow, now that I know that's him, it is actually blatantly fucking obvious that's him under the Klingon makeup. Oh, that's great. But yeah, no, he's definitely one of those huge that guy actors. He's all yeah. over the place. Every time he talked, like, because I've seen him in other things, of course, because he's in literally every show. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking, like, he sounds weird. He sounds like he's talking with his nose pinched. And I'm wondering if they put the Bajoran prosthetic on too tight. Yeah, it's, well, <laughs> almost certainly. I mean, he may have like a deviated septum. We don't know. Yeah, but no, I've seen on. him. I've seen him in other shows where he doesn't sound like that. That's yeah, no, true. like he he doesn't sound like that in the Mummy, which was after this. Wasn't he also speaking of like thing like? Yeah, he always plays. Well, I guess he always plays Middle Eastern characters because because he kind of looks Middle Eastern, I guess. But he was he's also, apparently uh, he's apparently Indian. Really, that's interesting, yeah. huh? Yeah, because he was also in um, Stargate. He was. One of the like, Egyptian the show or the movie? Both. He was. He's like oh, one of two characters I think that, or two actors that appeared in both the film and the series as the same character. He's oh, like cool. Radar. I was thinking that too. I almost said he's like Radar. I mean, he was a bit part. I mean, not a bit part. He was a pretty big part in the movie, but like a bit part in the show. I think if it's the same guy, I should actually check if it's the same guy. I think it is. 
Yeah, I'm looking him up anyway because I want to make sure that I'm not wrong when I said he was. Uh, yeah, he was one of the guys, sure I, one of the dudes on Abydos. Pretty sure he's. Uh, said he was Egyptian. I mean Indian. Jesus. I was gonna say, didn't you just say he was Indian? <laughs> yeah, but we've been talking about Egypt. Egypt? Oh, the mummy. Yes. Okay. okay. Well, yep. the mummy and um, well, he's played two Egyptian characters. Uh, the mummy and uh, the, the Stargate. Stargate. Yeah. While you're doing that, I'm going to tell you what the original pitch of this show was. Yes, Because it was very different, and they had to kick it around for a season and a half to figure out what to do with it. Because the original idea was that whatever the prophecy was, was going to be this happy, bouncy miracle thing that would happen. And it was like, where's the tension? Why wouldn't Cisco just be totally on board with this? If it's yeah. like some great thing is going to happen to Bajor, we should all be excited. And, I, and they yeah. said, uh, they think it was probably Ronald D. Moore uh, who came up with the idea, because Ronald D. Moore is great in everything, uh, that said, you know what? It should be a doom prophecy. There that'll, we go. that'll make it much more interesting. So they did that. Well, it definitely makes it tense. Yeah, you know? Oh, yeah. It makes for a much better episode. And it makes for, you know, being able to watch the conflict in Cisco being like, I don't want to be your messiah. I'm yeah. not interested. Please let me go live my own life. Yeah. Until he realizes like... something else. I feel like, you know, you want your messiahs to be reticent. I was yeah. surprised when Yarker was going to tell him what the next prophecy thing was. And I think, does it just cut off at the end where, ah, you're going to have to make a choice. Yeah. And it just cuts off right there. And you're like, oh, something else is going to come up. And we don't know what it's going to be yet. But now maybe mm. Cisco knows? Well, I mean, the prophecies aren't secret. He could look them up whenever he wants. He was at one point in the episode. I feel like you shouldn't know what your future is going to be. I, I don't know, but I feel like that would be very helpful. But we've also seen, though, Very that, Doc Brown. Uh, mm. Yeah, but we've also seen, I mean, in just this week, that even when you know about the prophecy... You don't know. It's still going to happen. Like, you can't... Yeah. Like, that's the thing about the prophecy. Well, and it's usually, that, it's usually fighting against prophecy and shit that makes it happen the way it happens. Yeah, yeah. at least in the Greek mold, usually. There's that, this is a great line in the new DuckTales where a character accidentally travels back in time and goes to warn somebody about something. They go, no, 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 no! Haven't you seen any movie? Mm. It's like, yeah. Also, yeah, that is the guy from Stargate, and yeah, he's he's Indian-American. Which is surprising. I would have thought he was Anglo-Indian because he always has that slight Britishiness to his voice. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Prophecy. Prophecy's funny. What show did we just watch? Oh, uh... Devs. That was the one we just watched. Oh, Devs. Yeah, Devs is great. That deals with um, future predictions and how shit's inevitable. What the hell is Devs about? It's uh, it's really cool. I mean, it's I, I don't know. The first half is really cool. The second half's it, it was like an eight episode limited series. It probably could have been a four episode limited series and been okay. Okay. Um, but it was pretty good. It was uh, it's like they're trying to hack the future effectively. Yeah. So. Rotten Swanson plays a guy who's like a tech genius. Okay. And uh, he's trying to do some crazy quantum computing thing that can make a perfect prediction engine to determine any future events in the in the universe. Oh, huh. That's a... I'm not going to... Because I've never looked... I've heard vaguely, like, there's a show called Devs. I've never looked into it. I legitimately just assumed it was a reality show about making apps or something. Oh, no. No, no, no. Actually close. It's like a sci-fi, sci-fi show. Like, now I might actually have to look into it. Yeah, at least it's very clever. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's super it's, clever. You, you can't, yeah, you Ron have to Swanson. watch the whole thing. I think it's okay. I, you know, seven out of ten. 
doesn't quite stick the landing. Yeah, I was going to say, could have stuck the landing better. Got nothing else to do still, so. Yeah. It's by the same guy that did, uh, what was the movie we watched? Uh, uh, Ex Machina. Ex Machina. He also wrote Sunshine and 28 great. Days Later. Okay. So he's a pretty I accomplished dude. I can't imagine doing like a small series like that, uh, even doing it at all, if you don't have a good landing. Yeah. Oh, and Agnes is in it. No Agnes. shit. Yeah, Alison Picard. Picard. Playing almost exactly the same character. You know what I found pretty funny was um, of the three Cardassians, the one that was uh, thought O'Brien was into her. Galora. Had like the subtlest makeup. Subtle? Like, oh, she's. She's still gray. She's still got, like, the... But, like, some Cardassians have... And, like, the other two women even have, like, really thick, like, under-eye ridges and a more, like, made-up... Like, with her, they kind of pulled a uh, The Hobbit, where, like, you look at the dwarves, and, like, most of them are really under heavy dwarf makeup, except the ones we're supposed to find sexy. Yeah. And I feel like they kind of pulled that with her, where they, like... She's still obviously a Cardassian, don't get me wrong, but they did, like... As little as they kind of could get away with and still have her be obviously a Cardassian, if that saying, makes sense. Are you saying in-world makeup or or production makeup? Production, production sorry, okay. production makeup. I got very confused because I'm like, yeah, no, she had the blue spoon. Yeah, no, all three of them did, which I liked. They One all had, and they had the little, yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she had I, some interesting neck stuff going on, I noticed. Like, multicolored scale-looking shit happening. She was pretty. I yeah, liked her. she was. Yeah, some of them... She, you know some she, of them... I thought she looked like Julia Louis-Dreyfus if she was a uh, Elaine from... Yeah, I know. I'm trying uh, to and, Yeah, I'm sure you do know who she is. I don't know why. Just <laughs> You know, that incredibly <laughs> you know. famous actor. Yeah. Interestingly, yeah, I looked... Yeah, sorry. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. I looked her up, and funny enough, she actually is a recurring character in the final season of Babylon 5. Julia Louis-Dreyfus? No, no, the 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 <laughs> that uh, that uh, that oft oft quoted uh, Ulani there the Galora uh, Galora Galora. I mean, sorry. I thought Ulani was. I mean, I liked the I liked the sexy times with Galora, but I I actually liked Ulani the best because she seemed the most like. Well, she she seemed like a pleasant grandma type. Yeah, like she yeah. Had, I was gonna say like a mom she, bringing candy in. She has the Cardassian equivalent of um. Of, of like uh, butterscotch hard candies in her purse, <laughs> Granny. So I, I love, love that they. Oh god, I love that Cardassian mating is basically every sitcom ever. They they just go heavy on the on the negs. Oh. Yeah, like they both they both get cross at each other until they hate fuck basically. Mm. So Miles like, and I, Keiko. Yeah, I like that that's actually their culture, though, because I'm sitting there, like, watching most of this episode, like, God damn it, if he was single, I would be sure they're gonna hate fuck. And then that's actually a plot point where, like, that's apparently how Cardassian mating works, She's which makes... She's gonna come back and yeah. kill Keiko. Good? That puts a lot of Good. other interactions we've had with Cardassians in a different light. I mean, I'm pretty Seriously. sure the judge in that in also wanted to fuck O'Brien, like oh. every Cardassian we've met wants to fuck O'Brien. Yes. Apparently, Gul Dukat just wants to get in Cisco's drawers. Like whoa, Gul Dukat wants to get in everyone's drawers. That's apparently, true. and don't even mention Garrett. Apparently, the only one he doesn't is Kira because he's actually nice to Kira a lot of the time. Mm. So, I, if this has come up before, tell me it has, and we can not talk about it. You're probably not going to talk about it anyway. Uh, <laughs> Have we have we discussed like do do Cardassians lay eggs? 
Oh, I don't know if we've discussed. Like, they're lizard people. But the way... But they can procreate with, he- with Bajorans. And Bajorans don't lay eggs. Yeah. And she told him she could give him plenty Fertile, of sons. yeah, so I mean, so they must children. be compatible. So unless she was thinking he would just, like, spunk on her freshly laid eggs or whatever. Wouldn't work. I've just, tried. Just, it's, like, <laughs> it's like the Atlantis episode of Futurama. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true, that's true. I that's know. Oh, doesn't, like, Fry try to fuck a mermaid? Why well, couldn't yeah. any other kind of mermaid? And he, she's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay my eggs and... And yeah, leave, yeah, yeah. and then you're gonna... Yeah, 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 I do remember that. Turns out I was in, I loved her, but I wasn't in love with her. And Amy and Leela look at each other. Problems in the bedroom. Good joke, Chris. Not my Good joke. Good restating someone else's joke, Chris. Good joke, Matt. That was I assume, I assume the Cardassian is. sex is where it's it's like that, where they just lay eggs and then the, the dude comes and spunks on them. But there is still some romance, because the, afterwards they spoon. We're going to make that joke That's forever. That's two never. jokes now. So I already made a spoon joke, Jake, but I... We got to keep it going. That's fine. I'm down You think it. the spoon is, like, crazy sensitive? Oh, man, I hope is so. Is it, like, Ferengi ears? Do the Cardassians just lick each other's spoons constantly? I would. I'd put a little scoop of ice cream in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, to... I want to see I want to see a sitcom scenario where, like, an odd couple where there's, like, Garrick and Bashir are... They're, like... They're doing like a um, like a domestic thing, and they're just living together and and you know, hanging out and and um, Garrick's making some a cake, and Bashir walks in, and you know Garrick is mixing the batter, and then um, and then Garrick's like, oh okay, hey, do you want to lick the spoon? And Bashir's like, when in Rome. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Awesome. I'm now just picturing Gul Dukat lying down while somebody very delicately with like very tiny instruments makes a miniature banana split on his forehead. <laughs> and then feeds it to a hamster. Yay! Oh, hamster. Or a vole you, since he's a Cardassian. Videos, right? I have, yes. They're delightful. Getting back to the Galora wants to fuck O'Brien thing though. I oh, have yeah. one more note. Because I was getting like severe Leia Brahms vibes out of her for a while when it was the two of them trying to one-up each other and how yeah. well they can engineer things. And there was a moment where she's she's giving him lip saying like, oh, you shouldn't have changed this, this, this. And I'm like, oh no, O'Brien, don't show her where Pup is. Because <laughs> remember, we've entirely forgotten Pup has been here all along. Yep, yep. Fucking Pup. Uh, I forgot about Pup. Yeah, so I, 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 I kind of thought early in the episode before they introduced obviously evil Dejar. Oh, she was so obviously evil. That, uh, that, oh, that Galora was the evil was one. Gonna, yeah, because like, in yeah. the first scene, she makes a Tarok Nor slip mm. up. Oh, yeah, Tarok Nor. <gasps> Deep, I mean, Space, Deep Space Nine. <laughs> yeah, I thought it, that too, actually. It was like a double blind yeah. evil asshole Cardassian. Well, as you got her, we were like, yeah, like, Maybe she's just grumpy. Maybe she's actually shady. But then fucking Domjot there shows up and you're just like, oh, you are. Deja. You are not even. Not, thank you. Not Domjot. You are not even trying to not be evil. Like, I get that this works on Cardassia because that's the point. But you should be at least kind of undercover right now. You suck at this. Mm. Yeah, because the other two scientists, they know all along what this ruse is going to be. They yeah. don't tell anyone, by the way, she's not going to actually do any science for us because she doesn't know any. 
Um, She's probably going to sabotage your instruments, though. Yeah. FYI. Like, they're there, and they're like, oh, this is going to fail, and all our science isn't going to help. Was it ever stated that the first problem with the transponder, the thing that, you know, caused the wormhole to spaz out, was it ever directly stated that that was also an act of sabotage? I don't think so. Are we assuming that it was? I wasn't, because they then were kind of like, well, okay, in a way it was sabotage, right? Because they're not allowed to talk about yeah, they knew things that could was possibly a go wrong. So I guess, like, technically it's kind of like sabotage. I mean, but I, I feels, don't but That I don't feels think, very Soviet. I don't feel like Dejar had anything to do but with it, But I feel like, because she was at the controls when it happened, too, though. That dirty True. fucking bitch. So I kind of wonder, if, even if it was a, it, yeah. a slight chance, if, like, she did, like, put her finger on the scale just to make it a little more likely to occur, maybe? Oh, yeah. Uh, that occurred totally. to me. That's a good one. She was it's just playing Animal possible. Crossing. Oh, man, who isn't? <laughs> me. That's true. We don't We don't have a device device that does that game. God, you guys got to Even get if I device. did, I wouldn't play it. Well, you don't have to play Animal Crossing, no. but you should have a Switch. I'm a contrarian. It's so fucking good. Caitlin, Caitlin has Marshall right now, who is currently like... Number one. The number one Yeah, in the monthly after. poll. And I fucking hate him. As soon as I saw Marshall was moving in, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And then I looked on this list and it was like, Marshall's number one. And I was like, so yeah. Can you people sell like him? this... At- yes. For so upwards yes, if- of 20 million bells. If by the time this goes out, listeners, one of you wants Marshall, hit us up on the website. We'll get in touch with Caitlin. Will she still have Marshall? So wait, you can buy and sell people in this game. What the fuck is this? Well, no. So like the way (laughs) the way it works is that villagers will like come and go. Sometimes they'll decide like I'm gonna leave because I want to go be a pop star and I can't do that here. And you can say okay, go, or you can say no, please stay. But when they're leaving, you usually have a couple days' notice, and then. The day before they leave, their whole house is packed up in boxes. Someone can come and visit your island and talk to them and be like, come live at my island. And they'll be like, sweet. So you can set it up so that someone pays you a nice advance to have the fucking asshole squirrel come live on their island. So you're like, yeah. you're like his temporary agent. Yeah, that's a good of. It's better than saying I'm his owner, which is what Jake was saying. Which I mean, yeah, worse. like it's not, it's calls not him officially- like I see him. It's not officially a mechanic built into the game. It's a thing people have worked out. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, for the tune of, like, 20 million bells or, like, 2,000 Nook Miles tickets, I could sell a marshal to someone, and I'm just like, good, I don't like him. I've never liked him. I've had him in other games. I think he's annoying. Mm. He's not that bad. He's just, he's a little squirrel. He's cute. I just don't like him. You know who else no one wants around? Terry Farrell. That's true. Because like, her first scene here, she comes in, she's trying to quote rules of acquisition to Quark, who knows them all better than she does. And she gets one of them wrong. And she's yeah, like, she, she all thinks, right, uh, what she, was number 34 again? And I'm like, oh, God, War Terry Farrell. is good for business. Terry Farrell, please, please don't deliver lines. Just don't even try. Just leave. I like that Quark gave her a dirty look on the way out. Like, dude, she just, like, saved you. Yeah. Yeah, you would have given those, you know, those if, women some nasty shit. Instead, he poisons yeah, poor like Morn with it. Like, it's her fault. Like, mm. our <laughs> asshole. I like that everyone, like, is best friends with Morn, by the way, in the background. Yeah. I know Morn dropped by today. Morn, how is he? <laughs> like, it's, just, it's this wonderful running gag. We, d- did we, we didn't really see Odo at all this episode, right? Only briefly when he was talking about having security forces hang around. Yeah, at the beginning. And same with Bashir, right? He only shows up for that brief exchange about Morn, right? I think so. 
in their contract. They have to appear somewhere. Yep, it's that writer. Well, yeah, and I think that's the only time Cork shows up too. Is when he's like, "I'm going to poison people." No, he's well, he's, there, really... he's there when they're dying. Oh, right. He brings them. He uh... serves the. Yeah. Yeah. I love. Yeah, he serves them there. Cardassian food cuisine. that they're not into. I loved that they didn't like it. I love they're <laughs> like, oh yeah, we don't really eat that garbage. Oh, but Dejar loves it. No, I don't think Dejar loves Yamek it. More Yamek sauce, please. Oh. Uh, either way, she because she's Obsidian Order, whether she loves it or not, she loves it. Hmm. Well. I, I don't know if it's so much that she loves it as that she like doesn't like Cardassian scientists making Cardassia look shitty and like act like spoiled brats. Why? Why would the I, if I were the scientist, I would have knowing that I was in the presence of an Obsidian Order agent, I would have been like, "Mmm, Cardassian food, my favorite." As a Cardassian, yeah, but well, they're honest. They are, yeah, and they're also they they uh, like presumably after everything that happened in Defiant, the Obsidian Order has maybe lost a little uh, sway and such. So there's there could be a little more direct tension between military personnel and Obsidian Order personnel. Mm, well, and they're going to lose a little more because, from what uh, Ulana yeah. said, uh, yeah, they don't like up. they don't like when the Obsidian Order fucks up. Mm. So I like kind of wonder, that. like, is she going to die? They're going to kill her for Probably. not managing, or at right? Least, like, I mean, that's put her but they are out of the way. Totally going to disappear, Galani too. Yeah, I I, I like because she's like, oh no, my scientist friends will protect me. Mm. She's going to run away to Bajor. Yeah. No, I actually kind of like the scientists because they come in and they're like giving lots of sass to O'Brien saying, yeah, this is why men usually aren't scientists on Cardassia. I'm like, I like that. That sounds right. I was delighted. But then I thought, yeah, but these are like the evil race that we're not supposed to like. Feel like men's rights activists would jump all over it. You can't not like a whole race. This is the exception that proves the rule because we've met now a bunch of Cardassians who are good Cardassians. Oh yeah, I don't mean that I don't like them. I just mean that this is a this is a race whose culture is shown to be backwards from ours and that's a bad thing. Well, except it, I, I think if it was a wholly matriarchal society and they were saying they were like evil, that would be one thing. But it's like, it's just that of all of our stereotypes, one that is inverted there is the whole STEM act. Like there's still plenty of men in government and in the military and all over the place. Yeah. It's just that for whatever reason, the one thing that is, di- well, not the one thing, but one of the big things that's different there is the stereotype about who is better at science. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's, it's harder to do science evilly. True. Yeah, and it's pro- it is probably is like a, you know, a sexist thing, even on Cardassia, where it's like, oh, oh science yeah. and p- women's work. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, mm. you're probably right. Maybe. Oh, they're keeping us alive with science. Fuck them. Okay, go play with your little wormhole, ladies. <laughs> oh, these fucking women said I should wear a mask when I go out so I don't get Bajoran flu. Because that's what they'd call it. They'd call it oh, something, God, they something racist. Something racist like Bajoran flu. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Anyway. But yes, I loved that. I loved that moment. And I... See, so that happens before she starts hitting... Like, right before she starts hitting on Miles. So I thought she was, like, turned on by him actually being technically savvy, which maybe she was, but she still sort of says that the reason why she was going for it was because she thought he was flirting with her. So when that little reveal happened, like, three seconds later, I was kind of like, oh, I just thought you thought it was hot that he liked science. 
I mean, she did kind of give him like she was very dismissive of him until he was like, let me work. And then she well, yeah. she like gave him a look. So I wonder if if it was a mix. Well, she was also, though, dismissive of him because she was like dealing with her own stereotypes about men and how they're useless when it comes to science. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And also, I think that Anna being very annoyed at, you know, these Federation people fucking up her perfectly good Cardassian tech with their tertiary systems and double backup and well, not wanting things to explode and and plus better I, something or others. Plus, I mean, just fucking look at him. <laughs> I mean, come on. Later in the episode, she was like, wait a minute, what happened to your replicator turret that shoots people? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I th- that reminds she asked, didn't, didn't, in that episode, when, uh, Gull Swagger showed up, didn't he ask for red leaf <laughs> tea then as well? Yeah, I think that, oh, I think that's I what he had, that. he, yeah, because they, it turned off the turret and then it made the tea and then it turned the turret back on. It was a tea yeah. made of turrets. <laughs> well, you can't yeah. spell turret without tea. Eh. Yeah. Anything else about destiny though? We've been talking for a little while here. It's just that, just that religion is stupid, and I'm glad that Cisco doesn't take it seriously. And oh, but he seems to at the end. Well, I'm glad he didn't in the beginning. Well, I mean, anyway. it's I, the only thing is like, as much as the Bajorans go on and on about prophecy, I think the one takeaway here is you know, K Sarah Sarah, because obviously, whether Cisco knew about the prophecy or not, the same shit would have played out. Mm. So. Who gives a fuck? Leave the prophecy yeah, at home. Kira's little pep talk of, I think it was Kira, saying, what would you do if you didn't know anything about this prophecy? And he was like, that I was just Dax. Fuck- yeah, it was Dax. Dax. Dax had another fucking line in the show? Jesus. Mistake. Yeah, where it was, you know, then just do what you would have done otherwise, because you're the emissary, and I don't fucking know. Grow goatee. Soon. Home Alone reference? What? Oh, no. <laughs> okay, it wasn't. I forgot he actually does grow a goatee. Grow tea. In home... In Grotee, in Home Alone, there's like a there's a scene where Kevin's mom and Kevin's dad are talking about packing, and Kevin's dad's like, "I'm not gonna be able to shave while I'm there because I don't have converters for our." Mm. And she says, "Grow a goatee." So I thought I legitimately thought that for some reason you were quoting Home Alone, wow. when in fact, wow. sorry, like <laughs> guys, would have been a great non sequitur. So little sleep. Um, Speaking of grow a goatee. Profit motive. Speaking of what? non sequiturs, <laughs> profit motive. Profit motive. Wow, that's a thing that sure did happen. Okay, so, strap in. I'm just gonna. So I'm gonna give you the B plot first because it's really quick and stupid. Bashir has been nominated for the Carrington Award, which is like a lifetime achievement in medicine award. It's the highest honor that Starfleet has for its doctors, and he's nominated by Dax, and he spends Why? the whole. Uh, there's a reason. I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was it'll lot, maybe it was a it'll lot of get techno babble. Maybe it'll get him from trying to get into her pants all the time. See, I was thinking the opposite that it would actually just make him try harder because it's mm. like, oh, clearly if she tried to have me uh, nominated for this prestigious award, she must admire me greatly and therefore want to bed me. Um, <laughs> it feels Bashir like. But anyway, he spends the whole episode talking to people about this award and how he doesn't think he'll win. But secretly, he's writing an acceptance speech the whole time. I don't... It's stupid. I don't understand why it's Does here. he win? Does he win? No. He fucking know, doesn't win. I know why it's here. I'll tell you later. Awesome. I can't wait. Uh, so the, I, and I mean that. I can't wait. The A plot, though... Ugh, 
is that the <laughs> the Nagus is back on Deep Space Nine, but not the Nagus we know and love. This is a new Nagus who has written, uh, he's revised the rules of acquisition so that basically, wait a minute, wait a minute, there are perfect rules of acquisition for this. Yay! I have a note. Uh, the best way to explain this change in the Nagus, I feel, briefly, is that rule number 10, rule, acqui- rule of acquisition number 10, has got f- gone from greed is eternal to greed is dead. Oh no! That's about as much of a 180 as you could have for the Ferengi. And he's all about refund your customers when they complain, and I'm gonna buy everybody drinks because it makes me happy, and all this bullshit. And Quark is like, something ain't right. Something ain't right. And he like tries to, he like forms a, he forms a Ferengi Benevolent Society that he puts Rom in charge of. And I'm just like. That was a mistake. Yeah, well, and it was. I love it. We'll get there. But so Quark is like, this is not right. The Nagus is like the financial head of our whole world. Like he would never do this, WTF. And then he finds out that. The Nagus has one of the profit orbs that he was going to profit from the profits by selling it to the the Bajorans. I guess what sort what happens is is the Nagus looks at the orb, has a vision, flies into the wormhole to chat with the prophecy aliens, and then comes out a changed Ferengi. And Quark figures this out because while he and his brother are like investigating the Nagus's chambers. They find the box, or not his, um, his whatever, his ship. They find the orb, and he looks in it by mistake, because Ron, like, opens the box and flashes him with it. And now Mom. he, he has a vision, and in the vision, the Nagus is basically talking gibberish, but it all leads him back to the Prophets. So Quark goes to visit the Prophets, and they're like, oh yeah, we devolved him to not be such an asshole, and Quark makes an argument for why they should re-evolve him to be more of an asshole. And basically the, the reason that sways them is because otherwise more and more Ferengi are going to show up and you obviously don't like talking to corporeals. Especially not Ferengi. And they go back and the Nagus has been restored to his usual asshole self. They destroy the new rules of acquisition. And after the Nagus leaves, Rom gives us this wonderful reveal that as the senior administrator of the Ferengi Benevolence Fund or whatever, he embezzled a shitload of the Nagus's money, and Cork has never been prouder. And me too, I've never been prouder. I didn't think Rom had the lobes. <laughs> None of us did. No. Yeah. Especially in this episode where he's mostly there to be... Where literally everyone is there to be comic relief, and I was done with it from the word go. I, I knew it. I was like, Ames hates this episode. I don't I, like I, I was thinking of, of you. I mean, I well, thought this episode don't... was pretty dumb, too. So It's really, it's so silly. Everything is stupid. It was directed by Rene Aubergenois, which is Ooh. absurd. It was his first director gig with DS9, and he was like, oh, I was so lucky to have this episode because Armin and Max do most of the work for me. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, there's the idea, the scenery. Wait, which one's I Max? Mean, is that Rom? Rom. Yeah. The idea that Odo's first episode was a Quark episode is fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, in a meta sense. Yeah, it means he doesn't, like, Odo doesn't interact with Quark almost at all in this whole episode. 
True. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, actually, I don't think they do at all. He has a brief interaction with Julian. Yeah, a yeah. brief unnecessary comment with Julian, which I thought was totally not in Odo's character anyway. Like Odo doesn't care about what his friends ex-wife's cousin who works for the Ministry of Medicine doesn't he, give a shit. He just, what... he just wanted to boast that he has a friend. Yeah. I also kind of felt like maybe somebody put him up to it just to fuck with Julian. And, and I don't know. I, I but feel like, like... What could you give Odo? What? Oh, hey. like to put him up to uh, something? Yeah. I don't know because he doesn't need a bucket anymore so you can't even offer him a nicer bucket. You know, give true. him some modern art sculpture for his room to mimic. To turn into. What were you going to say though, Jacob? Uh, I was just going to say that I feel as though Odo's absence from the Quark Nagus plot was very conspicuous. That Odo would be all over this. Because mm. suddenly the Grand Nagus shows up, starts, sets up a freaking charity on DS9 and all this other stuff. And I feel like Odo would have immediately smelled a rat. Yeah, yeah. it feels like it should be and some kind himself. of a plot. Like when, yeah. like when Zek faked his own death to like, do this whole giant ruse. It was a whole test kind of a thing. And that's what, what Quark thinks at first. Like, ah, it's a test. But what's the test? Hmm, let's figure this out. And then it's uh, not even that. It was really weird when he first showed up where he was in the, like, face-hiding cloak. It's like, what? Are you trying to travel incognito? You've still got the fucking cane and your giant manservant. It's probably just because they couldn't have Wallace Shawn there that day. Yeah, Maybe, yeah. Oh god, he spoke, albeit in a vision. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, that was an alien. No, I know. It was just still funny to actually see him yeah, say something. Actor. Holy shit! Um, oh, his mouth works. Wow. Mm, yeah. I just assumed the actor was also mute. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Think I ever noticed that he didn't talk before. Well, he talks to Zach. We learned that that, that, that right. he's just sworn to yeah. only speak to his uh, boss. His boss. Yeah, I don't know, man. The fact that Odo wasn't involved in the plot made it dumb. The fact that the wormhole aliens are now also have the magic power to completely rewrite people's personalities which was new which i guess is not totally out of the realm of possibility for them it just it seemed like an unnecessary tool to add to their set of powers which i'm sure will yeah which will never be used again and then there's also this whole idea that it was like incredibly special that Cisco spoke to the prophets so special in fact that now he is a religious figure on Bajor yet now they'll just talk to anybody that goes into the wormhole well they had the orb with them though well okay so yeah, what's to stop what it... any Bajoran what's to stop Kai Wynn from going into the wormhole with an orb opening it up and having a convo and do they do they I mean literally nothing right <laughs> what did you say Ames I don't know did they bring oh, their orbs? do they bring the orbs wherever they go I'm just saying they could now that we know that you can literally get a face to face with the prophets by opening an orb in the wormhole. Well, no, no one knows that except for Zek, Quark, and probably Mayhar do. And Rom has forgotten it already because he's that dumb. Mm. Has he? Yes. I feel like I Quark would, would monetize this though. He'd be like, "Go, f- go on wormhole. You know, go on a pilgrimage to the wormhole, and you can talk to the prophets." And uh... yeah, but Zek is the one with the orb. Yeah, well, maybe... Which Zach he's will. now selling to the Bajorans. Yeah, he should just keep it for himself really? and, and start up Wormhole Prophet Pilgrim Tours. Yeah, they'd probably start killing people at that yeah. point. Yeah, they'd eventually, like, shut down the wormhole entirely. Yeah. Hey, yeah. is your wife a bitch? Go into the wormhole and have her personality rewritten. It's the Penfield mood organ. 
Don't yeah, get the he, reference. He, that is uh Don't the, need to know. The the novel version of Hitchhiker's Guide? It sounds no. Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh really? Uh, no, weirdly no. It's it's from Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. Oh, Great. Well, don't read it. Movie's better. I was gonna say O'Brien will be first in line, but it won't be to change her personality. It'll be that so she looks like that hot Cardassian doctor. Oh god. It's easier, certainly, to change a, a man's appearance than his mind, so they should be able to do that, right? Yeah. Look, look, I don't mind having a wife, but a kid was a mistake. Could you just, like, make it like she never existed? Yikes. But yeah, I don't know. The fact that now so I, Quark and Zek are now also emissaries is kind of stupid. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no one else knows about them. And yeah, it's like, how, yeah. How, how did you guys like the sequence in the wormhole that they tried to copy from Emissary? I thought it was funny in the sense that they tried to copy yeah. it from Emissary. Yeah. It was. It's. It felt like a very cheap knockoff to me. Well, I think it was intended to be. Well, yeah, because it's a Ferengi. Yeah, like yeah. Cisco was in there and inter in like taking it. Trying. Yeah, he was trying to live in in the moment and and communicate. And Quark's just like, oh hey, you're here, you know. Yeah, like I, I don't know. I I I enjoy, I, I, I like the episode of by and large because of course you did. A fucking course you did. Ugh. And yeah, I no, it Chris's just... screen. No, I can't. Oh, that'll work. Thanks, Chris. Uh, you're welcome. You can still hear me, though. But yeah, I found it kind of amusing that it was just like, you know, their one previous interaction was with Cisco, who's, you know, this serious Starfleet officer who's doing this whole thing. And now they have to deal twice in a very short time. Although, from their perspective, who knows? You know, two fucking Ferengi. And they're just like, what? We thought we had you corporeal things figured out, but apparently there's a bunch of you, and some of you are assholes, and we don't know how to deal. And, you know, yeah. as we learned I wrote in my no- from... I wrote in my notes that it's very Twin Peaks. Hmm. How so? Just that it's, it's long and random, and I felt like an emissary, every every time they, they interacted with one of the other fi- figures, it was very... There was a lot of rationality behind each one. Like, you know, there was a scene on the river with, with baby Jake. There was a scene with Jennifer dying. There was, like, a whole bunch of, like, meaningful moments and different st- ways to stage. And this one just felt like it was all the same creepy room with a, all the same characters you see every day. And it was like, there is no meaning to yeah, no, you're, here. You're right. It did feel like, I remember us talking about it, it did feel like each person had an assigned sort of personality element whereas this is just council of interchangeable aliens yeah. except oh, except for uh, except for jadzia who was just fucking terry farrell talking she, she, <laughs> she doesn't even try she doesn't even try no, um it's true but like like everybody else like put on like an alieny voice like a very monotone and she just talked God damn it, Terry yeah, Farrell! How do you she know needs... the di- how do you know the difference from her usual like, monotone? That's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I'm just she like, needs Worf. yeah. Um, Worf will make her better. Yeah, I was gonna make the joke. Is my hope um, at least. Yeah, you know, as we learned in the price, Ferengi and wormholes just don't mix. Okay, <laughs> just, just don't just don't bother, guys. That's good. But yeah, no, I, I had fun with this one because I think I went through a similar kind of because I I've either never seen this one or just completely forgot it because I was just like, okay, it's a test, right? No, no, Quark is now assuming it's a test, which means it's not a... What is going on? And, and Quark, my boy! I like when he licked the pages. Yes. That, that, that was oh. really funny. And it, it takes him a while to decide that's like, huh? not it. Uh-huh. Nope, that's not it. I, that was weird. Like, that was really book funny. Taste? Book taste? No, this, none of this makes I sense. I will say, I really want a book with a wooden cover now. 
to lick okay. so you can lick the pages. No, it just seems cool. Like, look at that. My God, when they yeah. came back from reading Zek's logs and mm. Quark walks in because we didn't see any of the scene in which they read the logs, but then Quark comes in and tells you in the most expository scene that exists. Okay, here's what I read in the logs to get everyone caught up on a scene that happened during commercial break. Are we yeah, all set that, now? Great. That, that, yeah, they're, Let's they're do probably... a comic sneaking scene. Oh, yeah. Okay. The, thinking, the, the oh, heads God. popping out from the wall. Oh. God Damn it. Just like in Rascals. <laughs> and fucking humming Zek in the bag. <laughs> oh, I hated that. I forgive you! <laughs> I hated that. That's when I decided, Ames, that this was literally your hell this episode, was when he was humming in the bag. I was like, oh. Oh, no, it was way before the humming in the bag. Actually, what really fucking destroyed this episode for me was very, very early when they decided to make it an odd couple show because Quark moves in with Rom for a day and they're like, oh, one's the clean one and one's the dirty one. I guess you could say it was a (laughs) (laughs) rom-com. Also, Rom stole most of his stuff from Quark. I liked that. Well, he fucking should. He pays him like a tenth of what he makes. He could probably barely live... Yeah. Plus, I feel like Quark probably owns his apartment and rents it to him. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like... Probably. Fuck him. Yeah, I, I, I did kind of think it was... I wish they had done more with the everything in Rom's apartment is stolen from the bar. What else could yeah. they do with I don't know, it, but it just ended so abruptly. Like, it was just like, all right, that plot's done. That That's, that's because they had thread. to have a, they had <laughs> to have a long gonna book-looking dangle. scene. Isn't that my butt plug from my private <laughs> stores? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> uh, everything here is mine. Oh, not everything. Oh, that yeah. Was what was that? This is like, <laughs> like, I, like ear, ear cleaner. Ear vibrator. See, that's the thing. <laughs> I was thinking it was like, uh, like you know, oh, is your dick too like short and, and not hard enough? Well, use this this legendary Swedish technique to fix it. Yeah, that's what I, a larger maybe, I just assumed was it was a, a, to, uh, a device for performing umox on yourself. He didn't seem to be enjoying it that much. Well, I don't think yeah, he'll go inside the ear canal for Umox. Well, you know, not the, yeah, some people do. do it pro. What, what, isn't there people that stick things up their dick hole? Sounding. Ah, ah. Yeah, it's called sounding. That sounds like the yep. worst thing what? on the planet. Yeah, Chris, clean break. Chris has cut all of that. I was Because I'm going to tell you what this originally was based off of, which was an original teleplay by Ira Stephen Baird that he wrote up for Taxi and was never, you know, taken by Taxi. Uh, but the idea there was going to be that the character Louie, I know nothing about Taxi, so I can assume there's a character named Louie. Was Louie... Louie is... Is that Danny, Danny DeVito? DeVito? Yeah, that's what I thought. Who oh. should have been a Ferengi in the yeah, fact that he, he never would have has been, been a, a crime. All right, it makes a lot more sense now. Because I, yeah, yeah, no. I know nothing about Taxi. Danny, but knowing the it's Danny DeVito. DeVito. <laughs> in which Louie's uncle Sylvester is coming around, and Louie is like, oh man, my uncle Sylvester is like the biggest womanizer in the world. I've learned everything I know from him. I'm going to show off how womanizing I am when he's here. And then Sylvester shows up and has changed his ways, and Louie's like, oh, what the fuck happened there? <laughs> what the fuck? And knowing it's Danny DeVito actually like, makes it make more sense for me now. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, no Louie kind of is a proto-Ferengi, because yeah, he's a womanizer, he's... You know, he, he's a dispatcher he's at tall. a taxi firm, so, I mean, he's not exactly rolling in dough, but he, he does well for himself somehow. Because I remember there's an episode where he's, like, looking for kind of a nice-ish condo, but, Does yeah, he not, I isn't never, it, his, is not it his company? I don't think so. I think he's just the dispatcher, but I could, I haven't seen it in ages, so I could And, like, wrong. one of the jokes I, was that the dispatch booth was raised up. 
so that he yeah. was always taller than the people around him. But then when he'd come out of the booth, he would He's be Danny DeVito sized. It's wonderful. Yeah. Which is a great joke. I like it's so it. funny that this was a taxi Well, it episode. actually That's makes so a lot of sense. So much even sense. If, even if it, like, if you had told me that this was an adapted script from just about any workplace comedy, I would, mm. I would buy it. Yeah, it's very, very sitcom-y. Like, you can tell where all the beats are formed around the jokes and the yeah. sight gags and stuff. And, you know, I, I, I do give Rene Auberginois some credit in that, you know, he does a lot of more interesting things. Like the two Ferengi reading a book in front of the, the stars in, front of, in the window is a very fantasy-looking kind of a thing. Mm. Uh, I think he did what he could, and the silliness just outweighed anything you could possibly fix in this episode. So I wonder if in the, uh, in the revised rules, if rule 34 is peace is good for business, and if rule 35 is war is good for business. I, I hope so. I hadn't thought well, of I would that, imagine. I so. I would imagine because his brain was rewritten by the aggression-averse wormhole aliens, it would be war is bad for business. But then the like, next one would be already, peace is bad already, for business. They already have... They, the rules 34 and 35 are... No, no, I know they're... Oh, they're, okay, yeah. I just wanted to make sure. But I'm just saying, like, I can't... Like, it may, I get where you're coming from, but in real, reality... But in the world of the show, you feel like they would be trying to discourage war because it's... But so the rules like also pieces. discourage war, war as it is. But not as much as it encourages war. Mm. <laughs> it is Although we did have uh we did have that thing, gosh, ages ago now it feels like, where uh Quark made a very convincing argument against war for the sake of profit with that uh Vulcan Maquis. I mean, didn't Quark's cousin uh buy a moon by selling weapons? Did they say how he got the moon? I can't remember. I just know he has one. Yeah, I was gonna say he definitely has a moon. Maybe they say it later. I, I feel like it is. Yeah, I, I feel like remember. it either came up or does come up that that his cousin, um, what's his name? I can't remember his name, but uh, his cousin has the moon through selling weapons. Yeah. I think it would be awesome if they kept bringing up the Gala. moon because Gala, we know yeah. that's right because we know that it's already come up before since uh, Odo was already so well versed the in moon? the story. It would be really great if it just kept coming up. Like, I would really be, I would be all yeah. for that. Oh, you know what does come up again is the st uh, self-sealing stem bolts. Yeah, that was a callback. Great reference. Love it. So here's my question, though. Was he, those self, did he think that he still had the stem bolts that the kids sold? No, I think or it's just a new, new stem batch. Bolts? Oh, was it? That's too bad. Because I was thinking for a while that, like, well, for a while, this this plot is about two minutes long. But in the beginning, I was like, oh, no, he's going to try to sell her the stem bolts and he doesn't have them anymore because he somehow doesn't realize that they're gone. Well, he never he never batch, bought them in the first place. Right. Like that was the whole thing was that his they were given to him. No, no he, they had didn't there was they a... have, no, you're right. It was Yamak sauce. They had the Yamak sauce. No, there was a dude that had the stem bolts and like Quark was the middleman or something. And the, the buyer dropped out. So right. the guy was and, stuck yeah. with the stem bolts. So is? then Quark had an excess. Yeah, no, that's what it was. Quark had an excess of Yamak sauce that the kids traded for the stem bolts. And then they, what did they do with the stem bolts? That's what I don't remember. Didn't they sell it for land? Yeah, they traded it for yeah, land. Yeah, that's right. So that's they the could thing. like vote in Bajor or something. That's saying at the end, Quark couldn't have been confused because at the end he finds out they have the land that he yeah. wants. That's right. Okay, fine. So he ends up getting the land. Fine, fine, fine. So new self-stealing stem, stem bolts it is impossible. I can only yeah, imagine, though, that like they found out that they were defective and returned them or something. Or so, Somehow it is going to turn out that they are the same batch of stem bolts and they've just been 
floating around for years. <laughs> there's only a hundred. There's only a hundred gross in the whole alpha quadrant, and they just keep changing yeah. hands. No one actually uses them for their intended purpose. Mm-hmm. No one knows what their intended purpose is. It's actually just a box of metal that fucking Harry Mudd sold to somebody a hundred years ago <laughs> and has been doing the rounds ever Apparently since. Apparently that, that girl like that was corn. umoxing Quark at the beginning mm. was a, uh, needed them for something. Yeah, which I they I kind of missed it, but it felt like the thing her family was making was... I, I feel like they gave it intentionally like just as weird a name. Like It was like a... It sounded like it was another auto thing, like a self-sealing bolt, or it was weird. Neat. I don't know what you're talking about now. I would like to move on and talk about Bashir. More specifically, I want to talk about Bashir and O'Brien playing darts. Darts. It finally happened. Jason. Yes. I'm waiting for this. Yeah, they picked up I... these darts because um, they didn't want to do the racquetball thing anymore because it was way too expensive to build that set every fucking time. They wanted to do pool, but uh, they had heard a rumor that they were going to play pool on Voyager and didn't want to copy. Well, what about Dom Jot? That's I space. Then they'd have to come up with they'd have to come up with the rules for Dom Jot. No, they already, we've already we've seen, seen Dom Jot, and we already have a table. Well, yeah, but well, yes, but they would have to actually come up with rules yeah, now, which yeah. they hadn't and done. We know before. that there the is Dom Jot on DS Nine because Jake is a shark. Hustler, Jake, yeah. Yeah, dumb jot shark. But they also had to, the, the um, Deep Space Nine folk had to hire our new official darts advisor, James Lomas. So whenever you see a dart actually hit the board, chances are he's the one that threw it. Mm. Yeah, that was one thing that, like, I don't, you know, like, I've played darts before. You know, but I'm not claiming any kind of expertise. But even me, a complete layman, could tell, like, they were basically just dropping the darts as soon as their hands were off camera. <laughs> like, because they were wait, like they were letting go of them way too late. <laughs> yeah, well... I also hated their, like, future darts uh, board. Made, the lights. made I, a singing noise every time. They get rid of that, right? Because I feel like I remember it being a normal no, dartboard. I think board. it always has lights and shit on it, if I remember. It just it counts your score for you kind of a thing? Well, it must, right? Because they weren't keeping track, and that's one thing uh, about sure. darts... Is no matter, you know, there's so many different types of games that you can play with darts, but they all pretty much rely on keeping accurate track of what you've hit. Yeah. Um, So the board better be keeping track. I didn't see any display or screen that showed what your current score was. The funny part is they actually do make dartboards, and have for a long time, dartboards that keep track of your score while just looking more or less like a dartboard with a screen attached. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they had to like, Make it extra futury is just like really, guys. Well, I've seen light up dart boards though. It's not that unusual. No, I yeah, mean the, the way it was done was like I don't know. It looked a little too sci-fi. It's, yeah, it's like it's like Chris the is fucking. Sad it wasn't a silly thing. It's like the fucking symbol no, no. in goddamn Nemesis, the green fucking plastic symbol. <laughs> oh, the symbols. Yeah. God fucking oh, damn it. Oh yeah, exactly. It's distractingly like trying too hard. Yeah, this to is be a future thing. Though. See. You know, it reminds me of a story from TNG where in the pilot they wanted to have like, you know, because there's the scene where Wesley falls into the river <laughs> in the holodeck. Fucking Wesley. And they were like, all right, so we're going to have this big arch show up and it'll dry him and this and that. And Gene Roddenberry went, what if somebody just gives him a towel? What? And it's like, yeah, you can definitely over egg the whole future thing sometimes. And I feel like this was one of yeah. them. Yeah, I also can't imagine how much money they already have spent on this episode. 
because mm. you know they have all the effects in the wormhole. They have all the effects with the with the looking in the box and having Zek's head float in the box. Oh, like Jambi the fucking genie. I forgot about oh, that. Oh, God, this fucking episode. <laughs> Why was their darts board set up like in the fucking cargo bay? That's that's because they were hiding out from. Keiko. That's what I was wondering. Like she's on Bajor. Yeah, she's not even there. It's like that's true. Like, why is this? Sad? That's that's the cargo bay where he drinks all his secret coffee. She doesn't know about. Oh, Julian, <laughs> this is the Jimmy Man Cave. Oh, they they didn't they didn't want to they didn't want to have to they didn't want to pay the extras for an additional day of filming in, in um, oh, the in bar Quarks. for this yeah. episode because I know they eventually yeah. can just move to Quarks for it. I feel like another good reason to aims to not have pool would be that takes up a fuckload more space. It does. Shooting is more complicated. Yeah. Continu- continuity to, with the balls yeah, is impossible. Yeah, would be a nightmare. Yeah, like, it just... Well, and it's a lot like harder pool, to have someone fake that shit, I feel like. Yeah, pool would be a, a nightmare from a filming perspective, which is probably why they ultimately didn't use it on Voyager if they had actually been considering it. Play dumb jot, human? <laughs> yeah. The other thing about the, uh, the Bashir subplot, because I know Caitlin was like, why is this here? Uh, the answer is it's a it's a kind of very veiled reference to TNG in that TNG was nominated for an Emmy for Best Dramatic Season or Best, Best Dramatic Series. Whoa. And they just knew, like, everyone in TNG is like, we're not winning because they never give awards to sci-fi. So we just know we're not going to win. And at the whole time, you're like, but what if we do? What if we do mm. win? It's, everyone's like, you know, will they actually win? And they were con- convinced that some other show would win and it's like no no it's not even going to be a thing forget it and of course they didn't win what what piece of shit did they lose to picket fences i don't even know what that is which i don't even know what it is either i feel like i've heard of it but i don't know probably a fucking primetime soap or something yeah i think they were convinced i don't want to say nypd blue would win or something like that but that one didn't even win imagine losing yeah that was a imagine losing to nypd blue hey no, that was a fucking was juggernaut huge. back then. No, I know. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm surprised that like that was like the full first show to show a man ass on network TV. Ooh. It was. Yeah, that huge, was a big deal. Huge ass. Huge ass. <laughs> I also think it was like, I want to say it was like the first show to say shit or something on network television. Are you allowed to say shit on network television? You were after that. I think it. I think there's really? like, there's guidelines. And it's all you know what you know what's interesting though about like the the obscenity regulations are really very subjectively written I believe. So mm. the network censors basically have to do a calculus of like how likely is it that someone's going to make enough of a stink about this to to you know get a a complaint through the FCC. I see. Mm. So if they decide like if they're like yeah, we're going to say shit but we're going to make it a a huge media event and it's going to be written up in tv guide before we do it and everyone's going to know it's happening yeah know. yeah but then people could like rally against it you're saying oh they're gonna say shit oh, yeah well but, yeah, but again that's like that whole yeah, like ra- more ratings yeah no no such thing as exactly bad i mean i feel like they did the same thing does anybody remember the big fucking event it was when ellen came oh, out South- no i was gonna say oh. ellen when she came out on her show uh mm. it was like it it was not a great show. It wasn't a very popular show. I mean, it was on network TV, but I don't think it was like one of the top shows. It wasn't huge. But no. when when it was a made a big media event that oh my god, Ellen's gonna come out on on live network television. 
it instantly that show was was a hot commodity just because people wanted to see it and of course that came with like people complaining that Meh. except i think like that episode did well but i feel like the ratings pretty much went back to what they had been before that really Probably. quickly i remember my family watching it even before that though so yeah I was thinking like you were talking about the episode of South Park where they were like, all right, we're going to have all the bad words uncensored this week. Yeah. I think that actually might have been them referencing the NYPD blue But thing. that's like, you know, because that's a cable show. So they yeah, they have, have a lot they, more leeway. They're set, they're, they don't have to worry about the FCC. They only have to worry about their advertisers. Huh. And then, uh, you know, I, I like the British approach. Once it's 9 p.m., you can say whatever the fuck and you want. And show whatever you want. Ugh. Definitely on board for that. Nope. But I just love that, like, nine feels a little early. It's like, all right, all right, it's nine. Cunts all around. No. Literally and figuratively? I think there's still limitations on what you can show. Like, it's, I don't think you can show full penetration. No. I think you can show frontal. boob, though. I think, well, I mean, certainly Monty Python. Oh, they should. Lane showed full of... 70s Bush, too. Did they? There was like naked, like totally naked it's women. It's only you hair, like, Caitlin. Jeez. What? But well, was that's that, what I mean. You couldn't. Was that in the show or one of the show, movies, though? I thought it was the show, but I don't know. I can't remember. I don't know. I all together. I know is you probably could not show below the mons and show labia, the labs, and oh. actual vagina. But you know, I'm pretty sure the mons pubis has been fine. Anyway, I've 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 dragged us hardly off course as I tend to do. I apologize. Uh, any any final thoughts? Hey, they watch their award shows on Zoom too. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow, the coronavirus never goes away. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. there wasn't like uh, you know, they would they have like a big award show and a red carpet for the Carrington Award. Mm. I don't know. Put your face on a robot. Have that guy go- walk in. I'm glad Julian. Actually, lost. if they, if they're saying that all the people who win are like 500 oh, years old, they probably don't want them transporting very much. Well, what I don't understand too is like that. That seems like a, another instance of a very homocentric sort of wards thing, right? Like, oh, a hundred's too young. Well, yeah, a hundred's wicked young for some species. You know, hmm. Spock was over a hundred. Yeah, they said there was a Vulcan who was nominated. How yeah. old was that person? So, well, not old enough to win, clearly. And I'm sure there are species that are much longer lived than that. So the fact that like well, it's a, think... the, a hundred is the cutoff is like, okay, all right, sure. I feel like, you know, once he gets over it, though, this will become part of Julian's insufferable oh, like, yeah. catalog of, it's like, did I mention that I was the... Youngest nominee ever for the Carrington Award. Yeah, but didn't your friend nominate you? As a joke to embarrass you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, the the award committee did accept it, so. Yeah. As a joke to embarrass him? It's because they had to accept all the nominees. You know, they probably only got those five people. Mm. No, some, some award things, the way it works is like there's a bunch of nominees, but then you actually like narrow down the field. I yeah, just mean because who gives also, a shit? That's this also kind of came out of nowhere because I've never considered Bashir much of a medical researcher. We don't see him doing a ton of I mean, work. Did, we, know, see we, do. we, we see we him playing him, a lot we... of darts. Well, no, but there was that yeah. girl that he like cured from not being able to walk. That wasn't all his work, though. Yeah, but he he made it work. Like it was he built up somebody else's stuff, but he was the first one to actually get the therapy to actually work. 
and it would have worked if if she didn't just puss out. Yeah, maybe it's just that I don't quite know what Bashir's role on the station is because he's the CMO, which mm-hmm. means if there's ever like you know something going wrong medically or around the station, he's the one in charge of of figuring that out. Yeah, but he's also this profound, not profound, prolific. No, not prolific. Bashir. Prodigy? Um, Prodig- prodigious? Yeah, prodigious sounds cool. You know, medical researcher who's, you know, like putting all these studies into papers and yeah, but, getting nominated for but awards. But he does. He, I feel like he's done significant. Like, so he did the thing with Malore. He did, um, he gave half a brain to what's his fuck last week. Yeah, he was the first person to blah, 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 burial. Yeah, but time. he died like fucking crazy. Yeah, but he still, he could have kept him alive. He just would have been, he just would have gone full robot. Beep boop. Yeah, I don't know. I, I understand. You're, I don't think they've done a lot of showing of it, but I think that the idea is that he is a prodigy. So I think we'll see more of that in the future as well. Yeah, maybe it's just that he's generally, generally so insufferable that I block out any other personality aspects of, of Julian. I did like how while they were playing darts, O'Brien was the one that was so fucking insufferable. Mm. Oh yeah, it was, it was all part of his plan to win. When it doing darts? That- yeah, he was he was purposely distracting Julian so he'd keep fucking oh, up his throws. Oh, is that what he was doing? Yeah, that's why at the end Julian sidles up to him and goes, "So how long?" Because he realizes what he's up to. He's like, "All right, I'll plot two can play at this game." Oh, how long till Keiko gets back? Uh, and O'Brien fucks up and I just thought they shot. were both terrible at darts. No, no, he was he was, like pretty much every time he fucked up, it was after a pointed question from O'Brien. Ah, uh, I missed that. I also missed that, but I yeah. delighted. Yeah, that was fun. Right, let's 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 wrap this thing up. We haven't talked about right, the episode Chris's in a while, so salad I think we're, fingers uh... over here now. Oh no! Don't acknowledge him, and he'll just <laughs> die alone, and it'll be fine. I like wow. To, I like to touch the rust. Fucking salad, I fingers. salad fingers! I hate that so fucking much. thing. Yeah, it's the worst. Creepy piece of shit. Anyway, well, if you liked that, and you want to hear more, did you like that? Yeah, did you? Well, too I bad. I like talking about it. Huh? I like yeah, talking I like talking about, about it. it, too. Yeah, I didn't... I, I thought the first episode was, like, okay. I just... You know what? It's, like, there was a lot of... Just a lot of, like, techno babbly, which I don't usually love, because I'm just like, I don't fucking get it, but okay. And the second episode was just dumb. So... second episode was amazing, except it was two B-plots at the same time. There was no... <laughs> That's actually a good point. I think... I think either of those could have been better if they were the B-plot to a better episode. Having said that, oh. I still loved everything to do with the Ferengi half. I was going to say the opposite, which was that the Bashir side thing could have worked with a better episode. But I'm not sure that you could make the Ferengi one good. Yeah, I mean, the Bashir side, it's so B-plotty because, like, it's not at all... There's no interesting elements. Yeah. Except maybe playing darts. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just filler. It happens. feels like entire filler. Yeah. Filler diller. Wait, no. And especially, I think it doesn't help, too, that we watched it paired with an episode that was, like, super relevant and important to the arc that we were dealing with. Like, yeah. it's like, we just found out about Cardassian peace. Now we're working together with the Cardassians peacefully. Yeah, it's also very funny that two wormhole alien specific episodes are like back to back all of a sudden. You're like, I forgot about these guys and the prophecies. Oh, they're here. Wait till we hit a run of four Garrick episodes in a row. (gasps) I'm for that. I can't wait. Yes. That sounds perfect. Have we already got Rossi lined up for that? Don't know yet. 
Oh, for Christ's sakes. All right. Well, what's next week? Next week, we're going to talk about two more Deep Space Nine episodes. <gasps> what? Uh, Visionary and Distant Voices. And so if you want to check that out, or if you want to, you know, satisfy your craving for a star to steer her by in the meantime, you can find us where all fine podcasts are sold. We are on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. If you want to follow us on other platforms, uh, you can find us on Facebook by searching A Star to Steer Her By. We are SSHB Podcast on Twitter and Tumblr. And you can also visit our website at SSHBpodcast.com. I thought that I almost did that. I almost did. It was something about it that would have felt right. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Jake, for being the change I want to see in the world. Anytime. And that was one thing that bothered me about this episode. One of these episodes, I don't remember which one, but at one point I remember thinking, did Google fail at some point? Because y'all don't seem to know things. And it seems hard for them to find info sometimes. Mm. Anyway, rule of... Oh, they drink bugs, too. I meant to mention that. Yeah, bug juice. Sorry. I remember drinking that again. And they have bug bug snuff, too. Well, that we knew. It's not fun for the Beatles! Oh, fuck. We didn't reintroduce ourselves. I'm Caitlin. Oh, God. This has been Chris. This has been Jake. That's not... This yeah, way out of order, but that's all right. Who this are is, you? Who are you, Ames? This is this is generally Ames. We have a bunch of rules of acquisition to just to do one. Uh, Pick yeah. your favorite. Yeah. Well, the problem is we already touched on some of them, but number two eighty five revisited is a good deed is its own reward. Wait, did you say there was a cut one, Ames? Oh, there was a cut one. It tell was, us, Ames. Tell us the rule of acquisition that was cut would have been one hundred four. Faith can move mountains of inventory. Ooh. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good one. I like that. And someone... Chris, stop fucking with that tube. Sorry. Okay. When they're packed up in boxes... Um, He's still fucking to... with it off screen. I can see the shadow. I know he is. <laughs> Put it down. <laughs> fucking Jake over here. <laughs> he turned his screen off. Good. Brilliant. Good. I'm glad. So, um... Now he's playing <sighs> it. Now he's putting it in his mouth. <gasps> now no, where is it? No, I think he was just whirling it around. Uh, yes. Anyway, sorry, go on. Uh.